Hello and welcome to another episode of Movies That Make Us. I'm Jake. And I'm Tracy. And we are missing Val today. She wasn't able to make it this morning, unfortunately. Uh, We miss her. Uh, She's given us some good feedback for this film, so we'll bring that up as we talk about it. Um, Make sure that we can share her grade and everything uh, because it's it's a big deal, this grade. So we'll talk about it when we get to the grades. And it's, um, and it's one that she wanted to talk about. She had a lot to say about this film. So unfortunately she's not here, but yeah. we'll uh, see her back here next week. Yep. We miss her. Uh, we always miss any of us when we're not here. It's just, it's, yeah. it's a little different. So we'll try to, different. we'll try to soldier on Tracy and I, and hopefully it won't be horrible. Hopefully <laughs> it'll, it won't be Pacific Rim again. Well, <laughs> I wasn't going to mention it, but now that you have, yeah, we've, we've improved together since then. Yes, we have. I agree. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> and this is a good film. Pacific Rim is also a good film, but this is a really good film. And I think there's a lot to talk about and a lot that we can share. Um, so the film that we are talking about today is Hidden Figures. Uh, it came out in 2016. Uh, it's currently available on Disney Plus, thanks to their 20th Century Fox acquisition, um, which is great because this is a family friendly film. Like you can, it totally fits with the Disney um, mm-hmm. aesthetic and feel but it also doesn't feel like a Disney film either because a lot of times Disney will um, Disneyfy their stories, making them a little bit happier, a little bit cleaner. And while this, I think doesn't delve into everything dirty, dark or whatever, it, it doesn't um, clean it up completely either. So I think it's a good, good film for that reason. So I think that's a very apt comparison. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely family friendly uh, PG film. Um, I, and I think it's important that we um, have kids watch this this film and other films like it because they have no idea that any of this existed. Heck, there's a lot of stuff that I don't know that happened um, yeah. that I'm still learning about, that I'm still figuring out and growing with. So to, to be able to share to the, to the kids, and it's, and it's interesting too, I've got some friends I was talking to online who saw the film with their kids and their kids were like, Why did they treat these women this way? Like it's a foreign concept to them and that's the way it should be. And hopefully we'll be moving forward. Yeah, I I hope so too. Um, I think it's important. My, my daughter loves NASA. Like she's obsessed with NASA. Mm -hmm. Uh, For me, it was important for her to watch this movie because I was like, this is about women in NASA. Um, And, and obviously it's, it's also about African-American women in NASA during the sixties. And right. um, yeah, like they blazed a trail that hopefully others, you know, open doors that others can walk through. But mm-hmm. I think it's important to go back and look at who opened those doors and recognize that and and the sacrifices that they had to make. And I think history is really interesting because we we know that we went to the moon in 1969 and we know that there were a lot of failed attempts to get into space before then. We know Russia was beating us in the space race. Like we know the big broad strokes of this story but we don't always know the hidden people in history or the hidden figures in history. Yeah. Ah, I see what you did there. Thank you. Um, <laughs> but, but we don't always know. And the history of the United States is much more diverse than we really think it is. There are people of color. There are women who have made major contributions to the achievements of our country mm-hmm. that that we don't know their stories. And I love when those stories get told um, because it really shows that the United States 
any country really, but the United States is better when people who are different and when we have diverse groups come together, we accomplish so much more. We get to the moon when everybody's contributing. Right. Know? And I think right. it's important to highlight that. Yeah, and, and it's interesting. One of the complaints about the film was that it focused on these three women and it didn't highlight as much of how many women and how many women of color were there. And they show that they you know, they have the big room with the with the computers and the ladies who go on to do the programming. Um, but that was one of the minor complaints about the film. But it's like when it comes down to a film, you can't have a cast of 300 characters. Yeah. Right? You got to have these three main characters to follow and yeah. they have to kind of represent everybody that, that took place. But you're absolutely right. There were so many people. And I love the line from Kevin Costner where he's like, either we all get to the summit or none of us get to the summit. Yep. Yeah. His character, Al Harrison, I, I, I would love to know how accurately some of these characters are portrayed. Um, and, but I like his portrayal because he's not someone who's out there to change the system. He has a goal. His goal is to get a man on the moon. His goal right. is to be successful with the space program. And he does not care who's going to help him get there. Nope. And so if that means he's got to take down and say, look, we're not going to have colored and white bathrooms anymore. We're not going to have segregated restrooms. Um, if that means he's going to do that, then that's what he's going to do. Not because he's necessarily like this really visionary progressive guy. He just, he needs this lady who's doing all the math to be able to go to the bathroom closer to her desk. So it doesn't take her 40 minutes every time she has to go. Right. Like that's it, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately this is a, this is a fictional character, um, which is too bad. I didn't know that until after I'd seen it. Um, and so it was, uh, yeah, like I said, it was fictional, but it, 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 I, I, I think we have to draw a parallel and a distinction between what happens in real life versus what happens in the mm -hmm. movie, because this is a fictional retelling. Um, right. At the time, um, NASA was technically segregated, but they didn't really enforce it because they were more interested in just getting everybody to where they needed to be. Um, mm -hmm. Technically, there wasn't a colored bathroom in the, in the wing that she was in, but she just refused to go walk the half mile. And so she just went to the women's restroom for whites for years, somebody finally complained and she just ignored the complaint, you know, yeah. that's not as dramatic in the, in the story. And um, so I, I think, I think it's important sometimes because sometimes we're like, well, it's not a hundred percent historically accurate. Um, that doesn't always make for good entertainment because right. at the end of the day, you've got to entertain people. This isn't a documentary. Right. And, it, and, and that's exactly right. If you're going to want, if you want to, watch something that's historically accurate, then hopefully a documentary you can pick up will give you those kind of details and, and or things like that. It's based on a book. So you can read the book and get that information too. Yep, exactly. And, and, and Val's talked about this before. And I think it's important to point out when you watch some of these historical pieces, they may not be fully accurate, but what it does is it gets you interested in wanting to go back and research who were these people and, right. and what did, what did they really accomplish? Because when you go back and you, you research these three individuals in particular, and you're right, there was a whole score of, of other women who were involved and, and they deserve a lot of credit too. I don't know why these three get highlighted, but, but you right. look at what they, they accomplished and, I mean, 
Dorothy Vaughn going and becoming an expert in this programming language that was brand new. I mean, right. that's, that's awesome. It's incredible. And the self-taught too. What's that? Self-taught. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that that's amazing. And I, and I love the way it's portrayed in the film where it's like, look, okay, they're bringing in this IBM machine. Nobody really knows what it's going to do, except it's going to put all of the computers at the time computers were people, which is always right. weird. When they kept calling them computers, I'm like, wait, she's a person. But Yeah, at first I was like, boy, that's derogatory. And then I'm like, I have to remember they were computing. They were doing the yeah, computer. That's what they did. It yeah. was a literal description of what it's they like did. It's an engineer. It's a driver. It's just a description yeah. of the job. Yep, exactly. They were yeah. computing. That's what they did. And so she she saw the writing on the wall that this machine was going to replace them. So, okay, let's become valuable. Let's figure out how to run this machine. Right. It's going to need manpower. So let's get, let's be that manpower. And so mm-hmm. I think that that was awesome. And she became the first um, African-American uh, female supervisor at NASA, which was, you know, a big deal. And that was kind of yeah. her thing in the movie. You know, she was doing the job of a supervisor, but not getting the, the recognition, uh, i.e. the pay that should go along with being a supervisor. And I think a lot of people have been in that situation before where, you know, your boss leaves unexpectedly and you're kind of the next one up and you've got to step into that role. Um, But I think it's different when you're told, basically, it doesn't matter how qualified or how good a job you do. You're not going to get it. Right. You're not going to get it because of something you cannot control that should have no bearing on, on it at all. You, You can't change your gender. You can't change your sex. At, at the time. Um, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I, I'm with you to be, to be working so hard and giving so much and they're all working long hours and they're all sacrificing mm-hmm. and they're trying to live lives outside of work as well. And there's so much pressure because everybody wants to beat the Russians. And then they're dealing with, with uh, people not respecting their gender or their race. It's just like, there were so many hurdles for these women to to overcome and they did. And that's phenomenal. Yeah, I agree. And I think that it, it deserves recognition. And, um, and I, I would love to go back and, and this is where the movie gets you. I would love to go back and look at some of the stories of some of the other women that were involved and what they contributed. Um, I love that, that Lego put out a set a couple of years ago yes. because of the success of this movie, really that, that highlighted some of these women that were involved in NASA that helped get a man on the moon. And I think that that's really cool. And that, and that's where, yeah, the movie may be fictionalized, but look at the positive impact it's had to, right. to draw that out and to get people interested in that. So, yeah. Um, I, I think that it's, and I wanted to touch on this a little bit and see how you felt. Um, I was mm-hmm. kind of surprised to find out that the director was not African American. It's a it's he's a he's a white male, and that kind of surprised me in in some ways. I thought because this was definitely handled, um, it was a good film that was put together really well. Um, I know there was some backlash from that, saying that it should have been an African American director to tell this story, but. I don't necessarily I like I get that but at the same time I don't necessarily agree because I think that people can tell other people's stories and it's okay as long as the other people have the right to tell their own stories too. You know? Yeah, I I think you're right. Um I I can see both sides to it. Like I I right. do see there's value in having people be able to tell their stories and mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. 
you know, this is a story that that it belongs to all of us in the United States, right? Because it's it's about space race, it's about accomplishments that we did as a country, um, but it's also a story that belongs to a certain group of people because it's part of their history and part of their accomplishments, right? Um, and I think it's important that they be able to tell those stories. But at the same time, I agree. I think you can tell someone else's story if you do it respectfully. But I do think that one of two things almost always happens. I think either you, you make some major missteps because you don't, it's not your story and you, you right. don't totally understand it. And it comes across as culturally insensitive or, or pandering. Just, yeah, exactly. Or just mm-hmm. totally incorrect. Or you, you play it a little safe and you don't push the envelope enough. And I think that this yeah. one, if it's one or the, the other, I think it plays it a little safe at times. I agree. I agree. Yeah. Um, I think that's in keeping with the, with the, with the PG rating, mm-hmm. um, but, but definitely they could have, they could have pushed that a little bit further. Um, well, and it's, it's kind of in the same way, it's kind of, um, it's kind of like saying that two white guys shouldn't review a movie. And it's like, just because I didn't, experience that or just because that I have a different skin color doesn't mean that I can't learn and appreciate and um, and talk about the film. And I think we need more of that. I think we need more discussion. We need more conversation yeah. about race and gender. And um, it, it was so bad for such a long time. And then we started to make improvements. And then it seems like we collectively all said, okay, well, we did it. And let's not talk about it anymore. Yeah. Well, and it's been interesting to see uh, how those conversations have changed just in my lifetime, because mm-hmm. I think, you know, there was a big push when I was in elementary and middle school to be, everybody is equal. Everybody's the same. You know, when you get past skin color, when you get past where somebody's from, when you get past mm-hmm. whatever, everybody's the same on the inside. Right. And, and there's this big push for everybody to be the same and equal that way. But the reality is now we talk about it differently. No, we're not all the same. And that's okay. And then we're yeah. better when we recognize that we're not all the same and we all contribute something different and we all bring something different to the table individually, collectively as groups, whatever we bring different things and experiences to the table. And we need to celebrate that those differences and recognize that there's strength in that. And so it's just been interesting to see how that conversation has changed over the years. Um, but I do think one way that, that you can tell that this was, um, uh, a white director is you do mm-hmm. get a little bit, a little bit of the white savior complex in this yes. because yeah. really who's opening the doors for Catherine. Yes. It's her skill. She's getting recognized because she knows the numbers, but each time it's because she's got to go to Al Harrison and say, Hey, you know, I need this and I need this. And he's like, okay, well fine. If this is what you need, then let's make this happen. Right. And it, right. I think there it takes a little bit of the power away from the main characters who are doing so much on their own. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think it's a little bit different when you look at, um, I think it, Mary is the other one, Mary Jackson, who she's kind of fighting her own, her own fight, right? She goes to the judge. She puts her case forward to go to the right. high school so she can get the education she needs, not a high school education, but advanced college classes that are done that are right. taught at high school. Right. Um, but she's the one that's that's doing that on her own. Nobody else is opening that door for her. In fact, all of the white people in her life are kind of closing the door, except for, for her bosses who are like, no, you should definitely 
try to become an engineer, but they're not really doing anything to make that happen except saying, right. we think you deserve it because of what we've seen in the work that you've done. But she's got to blaze that trail herself. Whereas with Catherine, there is a lot of Owl steps in a lot to, to make it happen. And yeah, it, yeah. you start to feel like, would she have been successful if he hadn't been there? Well, obviously she would have been because he didn't he exist been, in real life. Yeah. Or if he had been more of a, a quiet racist or something like that, if he hadn't have been so focused on the goal and I'm yeah. going to take the best people regardless to help get me to that goal. Um, if he had been less of that way, would she have been as an effective person? And in a way you're right. It does subtract from the African-American character um, because they have to go to a white person in order to do it. Um, I felt like there wasn't a ton of that in this film. Um, it wasn't as much as a, of a film like Green Book, but, mm -hmm. um, but, it, but it was there. And, and yeah. I, I get that. Yeah. And I think that's well, important to acknowledge. Well, and when you talk about the, you know, in, in actuality, what happened with the bathrooms was, yeah, there weren't colored bathrooms in the office that she was working in. He just went to the, there weren't segregated bathrooms. I stopped saying colored bathrooms. That's just not the appropriate term anymore. So I'm sorry. Right. right. There, no, there no, were you're segregated good. bathrooms. And so she just went to the bathroom that was there. And when someone complained, she just ignored the complaint. While that's not as good for the drama and the storytelling, what we do get in the story is who's the one that takes the sign down and says, we all pee the same color. Right. Again, it's right. the, it's the, white guy in charge. And so I think that there is a little bit of that. And I don't think it's overly distracting from the film and it doesn't right. take away from what these people actually accomplished in real life. But I do think that that's where, if it was told from the perspective of an African-American director, it may have been a little bit different in the storytelling. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. She does get the one big moment where when she's been walking through the rain to go to the bathroom um, and come back and she gets to talk about how she has to drink from the different co coffee pot um, and some other things. So she does get that one big moment of frustration and release, but, but you're right. It is the the white male character who tears down the sign and he's the one that says, we're not going to do it this way because we've got a goal to do. So mm -hmm. yeah, it's there, but I I'm with you. I didn't feel like it was overtly. So no, and, and you're right. It doesn't compare to what we get in green book, which is, Definitely a whole different, a whole different ball game. <laughs> that, like I have a weird relationship with green book because it's not a horrible story, but I can I, see all the complaints and how it won best picture is still startling to me. I, that one blew me away. Like a lot yeah. of times, a lot of times I'll figure out kind of, you know, you, you get a feeling for the way that the Academy is going to go. I did not have that on my possibility card. Like no. you'll, you'll pick your winner and then you'll pick, but this one might do it. This one might do it. I didn't see green book winning. And then all of a sudden it was like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah. That was a surprise. That was a surprise. And a lot of people were not happy, but, yeah. but speaking of green book, we do have um, the main actor from green book is in this as, as the love interest for um, Catherine's character, um, which, which is weird. He's such a great actor. He's, he's an incredible yes. actor and I need to get his name. So I'm going to pull him up on IMDb. So if it looks like I'm looking at my computer screen, you that's are. why, <laughs> um, but, but he really is just a phenomenal actor. And I really hope that he continues yeah. to be highlighted in these films. Yeah. Ma Mahershala Ali is his, I, I, that's why I couldn't remember his name. Cause I right. know a name like that. Um, it's, it's like the guy who was in um, 
Watchmen. He was Black Manna in um, uh, Aquaman. It's Yaya. Yeah, or I, I, I yeah. always forget his name just because it's so different. Yeah. So I feel bad. I'm like, I should know these names, but. But his character, I, I really enjoyed it. And I, I enjoyed seeing him pop up in this film because I think this is where he was really starting to get uh, traction in some bigger films and, and everything. And, um, and since then he's been in, in some great stuff and he's a, a great actor, but the, the three leads though are incredible in this oh, film. Phenomenal actresses across the board. Um, yeah. Just, just, uh, just so much fun to watch. I mean, uh, Taraji P. Henson. Mm -hmm. um, let's go down to the rest of the cast here. Octavia Spencer. Uh, Octavia was Spencer. Dude, and, I love uh, Octavia Spencer. Like I would watch her reading the phone book. So I, she is so good. And she is so like, she's got some great lines in this film. I love it when she takes the library book. And first of all, as they're walking out, like, and she talks about like, if you're right, then act right. And you're going to be right. And it's, you know, it's fine. And then she pulls the book out of her bag and her son's like, mama, did you take that book? So she's obviously taught her kids like right from wrong. You don't right. steal. Right. And she's like, I pay for taxes and taxes pay for everything in that library. So you can't take something that you already paid for. And I'm like, yes. I love that scene. I thought that <laughs> was just some great mental gymnastics, great. but you know, whatever. Yeah. She, and she had and to it, get the book. It's, it's kind of like refusing to use the bathroom. Uh, it's refusing to sit at the back of the bus. It's like, no, I have every right to check out this book. And just because you deemed that this book belongs in this section versus this section. Um, no, I'm going to read it anyway. And I'm going to learn from it. And I'm going to change my life. Um, yeah, I, I love that scene. And I love the, 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 the distinction between the two scenes is right before she's very upset with the security guard for marching mm -hmm. them out of the library. And then she's teaching her kids this life lesson. And then she starts reading the book and gives them another life lesson. It's yeah. just, it's a great, great moment in the film. Well, and she's just so good at, I don't know, it, at finding ways to, to try to work within the system, but also push the system to, to help her get along. Right. Um, you know, like I love it when she's talking to her supervisor um, lady and she's at, you know, she brings the numbers over and she's like, okay, well, we've got another stack of boxes over there for you guys to do. And, and she's like, okay, well, what are they building in this room? You know, just trying to find out, okay, so this is what it is. It's mm -hmm. going to put us all out of a job. And like, she, she starts putting that together. And I love it when she goes in there and starts using the machine and the guys come in, they're like, what are you doing? She's like, I'm just trying to help. And they're like, wait, it's putting out numbers. Like, <laughs> it. I, and she the scene before it, the scene before it, where she just looks at the machine, he goes, "Well, that's in the wrong spot." <laughs> yeah, yeah, like because she's read it all up, and so she knows. And uh, <laughs> well, but, and I, I, I love that this film is such a highlight on women who are mechanical and women yeah. who are engineers and women who are mathematicians, because studies have shown that girls and boys perform at the same level in math and science up until about the third grade. And then after that, the boys continue to rise and the girls stay the same or drop. And mm -hmm. I think it's so important to, to have these kind of stories for young women. I love the fact that your daughter's into NASA and that she watched this movie because we need them to be, um, I mean, the, the, the technology now, and it's, I love how they talk about in the film, the technology is changing so fast. And mm -hmm. what you did today is obsolete tomorrow. 
And that's really still true in today's, um, in today's world. And as we get more and more complex and more and more computing, we need to have these children learn this stuff so that they can take it to the next level when they get older. I think it's really, really hard. And it's interesting. You bring up those stats that, um, that boys continue to excel and you said it was at what age? It's about the third grade. If I remember correctly, um, you know, I just, because working at the, at the TV station, we deal a lot with STEM and STEM education and trying to highlight that. Um, so we've done a bunch of stories and I believe that is correct. And if I'm wrong, please let me know in the comments. Um, but that's my understanding is about the third grade is when that happens. Well, and I think that, you know, our, our society, it is, it's hard for girls and, and, you know, we're two white guys. And so we're not talking from experience, but I'm a, I've got three daughters. You've, you've got a, a wife who's excelling in a career field. That's typically dominated by men, I would yeah. say, you know, so we know, but it, it's hard because at a certain age, women start getting told, no, your job right. isn't to think your job isn't to write. Your job isn't to do math. Your job is to look pretty and be into fashion and be into boys. Right. And have, and, have kids and raise them, yeah. which is important. It's very important that we do have mothers that are raising their children. Don't get me wrong. Well, but but it's important not that we have, the expense of, of stifling them. It's important that we have mothers and fathers raising children. Yeah. Yeah, but absolutely. This idea that, that moms are the ones that have to be home with the kids. And okay, listen, I'm going to say this and it's going to sound really weird because my wife does stay home with the kids. Sure. Um, but she also runs a successful business with her blog where she brings right. in an income that's starting to become comparable to what I bring in every month. So that's it's fantastic, not, which, is, which is awesome. And she's built that all herself. Yeah. But yeah. When, when we're home together, we're home together with the kids and right. like a father's contribution isn't any more important because he goes to work and, and there's nothing that says a mother can't be the one going to work or that they both go to work and then they raise the kids together. Like there's, uh, there's so many different ways to do it. Exactly. And I think that it's important to recognize that. And we are limiting our daughters when we don't give them opportunities and when we don't encourage them to do things like I love that her parents, you know, given that opportunity to take her to that school mm-hmm. uh, when she's a kid uh, and the community kind of coming together and being like, no, your daughter needs to do this. So we've raised funds to get you there and get you settled. Yeah so that she can go and, and go to the school because that's where she needs to be. And I love that her parents did it and helped her to achieve that um, and, and to accomplish that opportunity because who knows what would have happened if she hadn't done that, you know? Right. And, and I was amazed in that scene because this young child is writing these mathematical computations on the board. And I'm like, that's more advanced math than I did when I was in high school. And yeah. I was lucky. I, yeah. I was not a math fan. I never liked math. And when I got to the University of Utah, I was the very last class that could get a Bachelor of Arts degree and not have to take a math class. I had to take some science, but I didn't have to take math. And I was so excited about that. So my math ends at college algebra back in high school. Yeah. And to see her doing these computations, I'm like, I have no clue what she's doing, but boy, that looks impressive. And when she turns around and she's like, if both sides equal zero, then that 
begs to reason that blah, blah. And I'm like, I have no idea what she said, but it sounded really smart. And I'm hoping it was spot on. But like, when she explains it, I'm like, uh-huh. She's smart. <laughs> Um, well, and I have a lot of friends who, who are raising teenage girls and they're like, I don't know how to help them with their math. My sister's an example. My sister would often turn to people on Facebook and her, her girls are really, really good at math. Um, my youngest niece, Corey, is a, is a math savant, basically. Mm-hmm. And there would be occasions where she'd get stuck on something. And so my sister's like, I don't even know how to help you. So she'd go on Facebook and say, okay, here's the problem. And then she had... And it was really fun. She had women who are mathematicians or who work in the math field who were able to then help solve the problems most of the time. And that was really cool to see. That's awesome. My, my wife always loved math in school. Um, she and I are very different. I hated math. I'm like you, Tracy. I went in and I did a bachelor's of arts degree. Uh, I had to get up through like math 1050. And once I, and I did that at slick at uh-huh. community college before I transferred to the U Um and, and I was so like, glad I did. Yeah. And once I was done, I was like, I don't ever have to go to a math class again. And, <laughs> um, but my wife loves it. And when we've talked about it, she's like, oh, I love it because there's only one right answer. You get a problem. There's only one right answer. It makes sense. And once you understand and you build. And so she helps the kids with math and it's great. And I'm like, <laughs> I, and she hates like English, like writing an essay or she's like, you get an essay question and you don't know it. There's not just one right answer. I said, I know which means I can lie my way into the right answer as long as I can back up what I want to say. Like it, it's not that simple, but it is right. It is. <laughs> and you can sustain your argument. Then your teacher can't say you're wrong necessarily, even if they don't agree with you. And so, right. right. So I just it, don't it, it, get it. When, when I was um, in college, I was in film school, but I had to take a science class and I had a friend who convinced me um, friend of the program, Noel, um, convinced me that we should take physics of photography. And he said, I am sure it's going to be more photography than physics. And I'm like, I don't know physics. And he said, don't worry, you'll be fine. I said, okay. And I signed up and it turned out to be way more physics. And I didn't know this at the time, but Noel was originally a physics major who became a film major. Uh Um, and so I was lost. I would go to the professor to his office hours every single day. And it got to the point where his secretary was asking me if we should just pencil me in for the same time the next day. And I'm like, yeah. And I would show up to his, to his office and the guy would literally do this and be like, what now? And I'm like, I don't get it. And so he's, he's <laughs> trying to work me through this and there was some photography, but we would like take a photograph on film, would have to look at the film under the microscope count how many silver crystals were there, figure out through that what the exposure was, what the um, the exposure time, the F-stop, all of that stuff. And when it came down to the final, we, uh, you know how water will reflect light so things look different in water than they do in real life? And so the, the idea, the problem was you're standing on the edge of a lake and you're looking into the lake and you can see an object and, but based on where the sun is and based on what the light reflection is and all these things, all these mathematical things, where is this object actually located, not versus where it appears to be. And so I did all this math and it's two pages of math. And and I wrote down, and at one point um, I had to memorize this huge mathematical formula that's specific to physics and photography. And I actually carved it into a piece of wood 
because I'm like, as soon as this class is done, this is getting out of my brain. I won't have it in there anymore. But I wanted to be rem to remind myself that I once knew what this meant. So anyway, so I get all the way to the end, and I say that the object is located here, and it turns out that I had inverted one number, and the object was actually the same distance, but on the other side. Oh, wow. And afterwards, the professor called me in. Um, you know, we had done the final, and I get a phone call that he, that he needed to see me, and I'm like, why? And I went and met with him, and he said, typically, in physics and in math, a wrong answer is a wrong answer, and I should fail you. But I'm going to give you a B. <laughs> I think because he didn't want to see me anymore, and I showed my work. I made one small mistake. But I was thinking about that last night because when these women are doing these computations, and they have to be so exact because this is somebody's life on the line. This is somebody. This is the difference between them safely landing and coming home to their families and burning up on re-entry or skipping off into space and never, never coming back again. Mm -hmm. And I just felt like the pressure these women were under to make sure that these numbers were exact is just incredible. Yeah. And, and you see that as she's, you know, as they're, as they're figuring stuff out. Um, and when they're doing the no, the go, no go on the actual launch with John Glenn and yeah. they're like, okay, well we got this number. Well, that's different than it was yesterday. Well, yeah, that's what the computer gave us. That's what the machine gave us. Okay, so the machine was either wrong yesterday or it's wrong today. <laughs> Which is it? And and as they're talking to John Glenn about it, he's like, well, have have her take a look at the numbers. Her, who they had just dismissed off of there because they're like, now with the IBM thing going, we don't need her on this team I, anymore. And I thought that was so interesting about how reliant they became on that computer so quickly. Yeah. There wasn't this, I, I thought there might be a more gradual acceptance of the computer number versus um some skepticism but but they yeah. were yeah you're right it's well the computer said it so therefore it's correct and, and i love the fact that john glenn in real life asked her to check the numbers so that he would feel comfortable to go yeah. i thought that was phenomenal i was well, like Please don't be fictional and it turned out that was true and i like that too and and i love his line in the film where he says you know you can't you can't look a computer or you can't look a machine in the eyes you can't trust a number that you can't look the, the uh, machine in the eyes or whatever and right uh, right man how things have changed because now it's like if somebody goes through and writes all this on the chalkboard it's like well okay but what does the computer say it is because then i'm going to believe the computer as 100%. long as it matches up with you and 100 is was the opposite if it's the same number then i'm going to trust it but otherwise i'm not going to trust it um yeah. but and i love that when she's looking at the math and you know he basically Al Harrison tells her that, Hey, we don't have the math yet. We're inventing the math. We've got to figure this out because there's nothing that covers this on its own. And so right. when they're looking at it and she's like, okay, well, what about the, the Euclid method or whatever? And they're like, well, that's, that's ancient. Jim Parsons. Character, that's that. ancient. We haven't used that in threat. Well, yeah, but it works. Okay. And so they like, just the way she looked at it and the numbers, it was just amazing. It was just mm -hmm. amazing. Um, and this movie is so rewatchable because I think the way it's acted, the way it's directed, um, the way the story is told is just really well done. Um, the music we have to talk about was just incredible. I love the scene where she's running oh. to the bathroom. 
It's probably one of my favorite scenes in the film, even though we've already talked about that it, it was completely fictional. But the song that's playing as she's doing it, um, I'm watching it and I'm like, this is ridiculous because someone somewhere was put in this position where they had to do something stupid like this yeah. because of laws like this. And you're making it kind of light with the music that's playing behind it. But then at the same time, you're realizing this is really dumb. Right. Like, right. Like, this is ridiculous. Ridiculousness through the use of the music. Yeah, exactly. And it's talking about, and the, and you listen to the words in the song, don't say you were there when you wasn't and things like that. And you're like, yeah, cause you know, like mm-hmm. it was just good. It, the, the music I think really brings it home. Um, all of it is just great. I love the side characters. We we really only focus, I mean, we, we've got kind of different levels of characters here, right? We've got Catherine, who's the main protagonist, and then kind of her two side characters, her two sidekicks are Dorothy and Mary. Mm-hmm. Um, and we don't get as much from them as, as we do Catherine. She's obviously the focus right. of the film. And then you've got her other set of side characters, which are the, the men that she's working with at NASA as they're trying to get John Glenn into orbit. But then you've got this third kind of group of her family and friends and like Mary and Dorothy's family and friends that we only see a little bit of um, because it's hard when you're putting together a two hour movie to fit that many characters into the film, which I talked about earlier, but uh, I I love the, I love the, um, when he proposes to her in that scene where her daughter's daughter's a really good man, mama. And I'm like, (laughs) He hasn't even asked you yet, mama. (laughs) And then the mom, the grandma is like, it's not my place to say what's going to happen here. (laughs) I thought that seemed delightful. Yeah. I love the mother. And when he does finally say, you know, I figured, you know, I want to do, I wanted to do something romantic, but I also figured if I'm proposing to you and I'm getting engaged to you, I'm also marrying the girls too. And the mom, amen to that. Yeah, <laughs> I've got a friend who who married a beautiful young lady who's got three tremendous young kids. Mm-hmm. And during the during the wedding ceremony, he made not only vows to his wife, um, he made vows to each of the children too, which I thought was just so so sweet and so right. important. You yeah. know, um, I had a question for you. Do you and Erica really? focus on is it something that you're consciously thinking about as you're raising your daughters um about encouraging them more to get into math and science and and stuff like that or are their interests just naturally taking them that way um i think it it, their interests are taking them that way i think what what we've tried to focus on as parents is to kind of discover who our kids are as we go and i yeah and I know that sounds really new agey and, and really kind of hippy dippy or whatever, but like our, our kids are all very different. We, we experienced that um, with our deaf kids, especially because we have three deaf kids who are all deaf in their own way. And that like, there is no cookie cutter one way to be de- deaf, but you know, I've got yeah. my son who signs only my daughter who has two cochlear implants that speaks and signs. She can, she does great in the hearing world. She does great in the deaf world and she's comfortable in both. Um, and then I've got my other daughter who wears hearing aids and she talks a little bit, but not as much as the other one, but I know she's still going to be, 
she's not as comfortable in the hearing world, but she makes the hearing world conform to her because that's who she is. She makes everybody kind of conform to who she is. And, and so they're, they're all different in their own way. And I think it's the same thing with interests. I think Mm -hmm. early on we learned through that, like our kids are going to be who they are and we're just here to support them as best we can. And so Lucy, my daughter wants to be a doctor. We're going to do everything we can to help her and to encourage that. But my other, other daughter, yeah, I think she is. My other daughter, Marin wants to be a singer. (laughs) She told me the other day, okay, great. What can we do to encourage that? You know? And I think that's the key is don't come with preconceived notions of who they're going to be or who you want them to be. Um, But at the same time, we do make a conscious effort to like try to limit how much society is, is influencing them, like what they take in, um, you know, and what they see as far Mm -hmm. as, I don't know, it's, it's hard to say, but girls especially get that influence really trying to, to limit that as much as we can so that they can really make the decision of who they want to be. I love so. that. I love that. I figured that was the case, but I just didn't know if that was kind of a, a conscious or subconscious thought um, because of, because of that. But I love yeah. the fact that she wants to be a doctor and I love that the other one wants to be a singer. Um, yeah. I don't have any kids of my own, but I've got um, my sister's girls that I absolutely adore and the three of them are completely opposite of each other, but they also get along and they love each other. And, it, and my sister talks about how they came with these personalities. This is who they were from the moment that they came into this world. And I, I liked what you said about guiding them into where they, where they want to be yeah, versus where society says they should be. Well, and, and where we want them to be. Like I, I, my, my kids are all nerdy, but they're all nerdy in their own way. And none of them, yeah. Like my son, Jack is very similar to me in the way that he obsesses about the stuff that he's into, but he's not into the same stuff that I'm into. I don't know Pokemon, but he can name all of them, like all (laughs) 5,000 of them at this point. I don't know how many there are. And like, he can talk incessantly about them and I don't know Pokemon, but I'm glad that he has something that he's into and that he's interested in. And so I, yeah, so that's kind of what, what we do. And I think that it's important um, and I think it's important to expose them to stories like this. And I think that this is a, this is one that we can sit down as a family and watch. And I, I can appreciate that too. And, and this is one of those films that we often complain about that Hollywood doesn't make, right? Yeah. They don't make the family friendly film. They don't make the interesting historical film. And this film did well at the box office. It made $169 million. Mm-hmm. Uh, they got nominated for two Academy Awards, but it didn't become like this go-to movie like it it did better than i think the studio thought it would do but it didn't go gangbusters and yeah we we so often complain that we just don't make these kind of movies and then when we do they don't get the attention they deserve yeah it's interesting i think you're right it didn't i mean it did fine at the box office and it yeah it did quite well nobody expected it to be a billion dollar movie obviously it wasn't going to be avengers end game or like that but right but it did well but what's interesting is, um, oh, here we are four years later, we're talking about it on the show. And I posted a couple of things on social media about this is what I was doing today. This is how I was spending my morning is doing this. And then some other podcasting stuff. And I got, this was the one that I got comments on where people are like, oh, I love hidden figures. Oh yeah. I just watched right. that. And, and I think now that it's also on Disney plus and they've kind of put it on their front page is new to Disney plus 
people are kind of rediscovering this movie and remembering how much they liked it. And in fact, we're going to get to the grades here in a minute, but, but Val mentioned um, when she let us know she wasn't going to be able to be here today that she, for, she enjoyed the movie the first time she saw it, but going back and watching it for this, she enjoyed it even more uh, and, mm-hmm. and discovered how much she actually liked it. Um, and I think that that's what's happening now is people are having the opportunity because of streaming and, and things like that to rediscover this film that maybe they missed when it came out in theaters. Um, or Guilty. maybe they, yeah, we saw it after this wasn't one that I, I went to a pre-screening cause I wasn't doing this show yet, but right. when it came out and streaming, we're like, Oh, we'll pick that up. Cause we were interested in it. Erica really wanted to watch it. Uh, and we were, we loved it. Like we ended up purchasing it on iTunes, but it was not one that I was like, when it came out, I have to go see it in the theater. Um, yeah. I think it, it reminded me a lot of, um, of the film we talked about a couple of weeks ago was searching for Bobby Fisher. Uh-huh. And that it's one where once you kind of have discovered it, then you're like, okay, I love this, but it wasn't yeah. a, I have to go see this movie about a kid that plays chess. I don't have to go see this movie about these women who do math. Right. And I, I agree a hundred percent. And and honestly, this isn't a movie that you're missing out on anything if you didn't see it in the theaters. I mean, there right. are some movies that like you had to go see Avengers Endgame in the theater. You had to go see the Star Wars movies Star in Wars. the theater. Mm-hmm. But, mm-hmm. but this is not one that you had to see on the big screen. You're going to get the same out of it watching it at home because there's not the big action sequences or anything like that. So this is definitely one that if you missed it in the theaters. Give it a chance. It's on Disney Plus, which everybody has right now. So go, mm-hmm. go watch this. Um, I think you'll enjoy it. Um, what yeah. would you give it as a grade, Tracy? Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go like an A minus on this film, um, just because of the few minor, minor, minor quirks. It's so close to getting an A for me. Um, a little bit of the White Savior, a little bit of the revisionist history. Um, I I get it and I can separate my thoughts on being historically accurate versus what needs, what the story needs to be. Um, it's tremendously acted as we've talked about. Those three ladies were phenomenal. Um, it's too bad that none of them really got the, the recognition from their peers at the Mm -hmm. Academy that they deserve. Um, because all three were phenomenal. I love, I think it's interesting. Kevin Costner is a much more interesting actor to me, the older he gets. Mm-hmm. Like I look at some of his early stuff and it's, it's, it's good. It's okay. But he's a much more interesting and nuanced actor as he gets older. He, um, and I think he's, I think, and people might disagree with this. I think he's a better supporting actor than he is in a lead role. Yes. Yes, absolutely. If, when I he totally has to carry the movie, I get too much Kevin Costner, but when he's a supporting character, it's just right. Yeah, absolutely. And um, the musical score is great. I loved the period type music mixed in with the orchestral score. Um, really, really great. I love that it's on Disney+. Plus. Um, we haven't talked about, and probably we should one of these days, um, like HBO just announced that for 2021, all of their movies will be on HBO Max and in theaters on the same day. This yep. is the way that the, the market's been going. I love being able to access stuff streaming. There are some films that I absolutely want to see on the big screen. I want to see Dune on the big screen. I want to see the, the Marvel films on the big screen. But you're right. A film like this doesn't have to be. So to be able to watch this on a streaming device um, is is phenomenal. So I'm going to go A-, minus, but really, really, really close to being an A for me. Yeah. Val, Val let us know that she was giving this one an A and we know how rare it is for her to give an A. 
Very um, rare. Rock means that this is a very rewatchable film in her opinion. And I agree. I think it, it is very rewatchable. Um, I, I'm also going to give it an A. I do have some of the same issues that we talked about when we talked about them earlier sure. uh, in this episode. But honestly, at the end of the movie, I felt I felt what I was supposed to feel. I felt the accomplishment that these women had done. Um, and not only that, like it's great to root for our country and see people come together. Like when they're standing there, when they everybody's like, something's wrong with Glenn, and everybody's looking up in the sky waiting to see what's going to happen. And you've got those minutes of silence waiting to yes. see. And then when he gets back on and he says loud and clear Capcom and you're like, Oh, he's fine. And everybody cheers when he touches <laughs> down. Like I miss the days when we as a country could come together and be united on things right. like that. Right. And I hope that those days are around the corner and we'll see them again, but it's not where we're at right now. So watching movies like this, watching miracle is another example where I feel um, that same way. Yes, absolutely. Love. We should we should cover Miracle one of these days. I, I would love to. It, it's one of my favorite sports films, um, but but things like this make me feel make me long for those days and hope for those days again. Um, yeah. And so uh, for that reason, I'm giving this an A as well. Um, if you guys haven't seen Hidden Figures, uh, I don't know that we spoiled a whole lot. I mean, it's all history. You know, we sent people into space. And so <laughs> You, you definitely need to go watch this movie, though. It is available on, on Disney+. Plus. Even if you saw it when it came out and it's been a few years, go and watch it again. Um, I think you'll be pleasantly surprised with how much it stands up and how much you enjoy it. And, um, I, and oh it's got the, I can't think of the actor's name, but the guy who played Sheldon on The Big Bang Theory. As Jim Parsons. Like, Jim Parsons, thank you. As an uber jerk. Like, yeah. I, I kept thinking, man, Sheldon got mean. Yeah. <laughs> I, it is one of my favorite scenes when she wants to get into the Pentagon briefings and he keeps telling her no. And so when Al comes over and starts talking to him, he's like, well, if she needs to be in there, we need to have her in there, but we can't because it's clearance and this and that. And he's like, well, that's fine. She needs the information. So she needs to be in there. And so finally he's like, but she's a woman. We can't have a woman in the briefings. Okay. Not a big deal. We're going to, and and like that's your final you every that's argument final. until it comes down to just the main one. She's a woman. Um, but yeah, he is an Uber jerk in this, which is really funny because knowing, you know, him personally having to deal with uh, some uh, prejudice and things like that in his own mm -hmm. life, it had to be an interesting character for him to play. Yeah. Um, so uh, yeah. So you, you definitely want to check it out for that reason as well. I mean, it's just a great movie all around. Everybody who's in it does a great job. Yeah. Um, I definitely recommend it. Um, if you have any feedback for this show, uh, for this movie, or for any of our episodes, uh, please send it to podcast at movies that make us.com. You can also follow us on all of our social media uh, channels. We'll have those up here in just a second. So you can see where you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Uh, you can also go and subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you found us on YouTube, thank you for watching. Make sure you like this video and, and then subscribe so you can get more great content like this. Uh, and uh, until then we won't see you at the movies. Bye. Bye. 
This has been a Stolen Droids Media Production.